Welcome, one and all, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to bring you our overall season one Star Trek Discovery impressions. And just a bit of fleet news before we arrive at that season one retrospective. Pete, putting Star Trek Discovery on pause for a moment, heading over to the USS Fantastic Geek, the different goings on we have ahead. Of course, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns Friday, March 2nd, and uh, super excited about that. Absolutely. We're steaming, Matt, towards the 100th episode, which will air on uh, Friday, March 9th. So this this little mini hiatus of about three, four weeks here, uh, all too welcome for us <laughs> between S.H.I.E.L.D., between uh, Star Trek Discovery, between Runaways. We haven't had much of a break. Uh, so this is the closest thing we're going to get to one for the foreseeable future. We did just record our uh, Black Panther review. We dropped that on Friday for the worldwide box office phenomenon. So if you've seen that, you definitely want to go over to Fantastic Geek uh, and check that out or check it out on the pop culture podcast by Fantastic Geek feed or the Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek, where you can catch all 17 other Marvel Cinematic Universe podcasts. And uh, just in case we didn't have enough feeds going on, we'll be uh, reactivating the Jessica Jones podcast feed as we uh, preview season two ahead of uh, that show premiering on International Women's Day, March 8th. And uh, of course, all of this stuff wrapped up in our uh, in our pop culture podcast feed all of it you got your agents of shield your black panther your jessica jones your star trek discovery your star treks of old your star treks of the future whatever it might be it's all there it is and we do not play matt we will continue to bring all sorts of content to our listeners well, Pete, let's now officially dive into looking back at season one. What are some of the highlights that stand out for you? I mean, just the idea that we got Star Trek back on TV, uh, at, at least for the first episode, and in a televised format here for these low 15 episodes. It feels like yesterday, Matt, we were watching um, September 24th. And here we are all done. Um, that seems like a big enough highlight for me. It, it had been so long. It had been 12 years and finally getting this back on the small screen where it started. The, the execution of the show, whether you want to look at the whole season or just in, in the individual episodes and the way that the season was constructed through those individual episodes or all of the above it really, really is astonishing. Uh, I have realized in the last month or so, as I've been making my way through Star Trek Enterprise, this was where Star Trek was headed. Uh, and I have newfound respect for Enterprise, having you know, which which has a a loose serial format, or kind of you know, mm -hmm. they're doing fifty fifty standalone and serial in that first season. And at a certain point, you go. Hey, this is this feels kind of like the TV we have today, and of course, Deep Space Nine was doing that uh, explicitly. Even, Matt, just to back to Enterprise for a minute to connect with the other thing you've been binging. Explicitly, Enterprise was influenced by ER. That was the template at that time in television history, and you're watching both of them right now. <laughs> Which, as a complete side note, with Discovery and its new episodes now on hold until what is probably late uh, fall of this year. Although I know Harberts would prefer winter of 2019 um i have experienced and i read an article echoing the same thing you know when your favorite new show is not on right now and then now you can choose from other things whether you're hey there's that show on amazon that i've heard buzz about or do i keep uh cbs all access for the good fight or whatever it is no. all these shows also need to compete with everything that is old so yeah you're absolutely right i'm watching ER from the 90s, Enterprise from the early 2000s, Star Trek Discovery from from the late 2010s, that's done with, and now new shows need to compete with these old shows. 
I mean, listen, content is a king to uh, paraphrase one of our titles of an episode coming up here. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm doing old Jessica Jones. I'm watching uh uh, the, the first two episodes back of the final stretch of Star Wars Rebels tonight. And, uh, you know, it's it's tough with Star Trek having aired its uh, its first season, but we're getting more and uh, all the more reason to appreciate what we've gotten. How about you, Matt? What would you say is a highlight for you in season one? I think particularly on rewatch, which I've had the ability to do as I've been introducing uh, my parents and brother to the series, the, the way in which this season as a whole really, really was tightly scripted, that has been a joy to, I guess, discover with eyes closed on the initial rewatch and all our theories and you know the endless discussions we've had about what is the nature of this writing room. And you go back and stuff that stuff that we kind of you know that, that we kind of picked over. You know that thing Lorca said in episode four. Could it be this? Could it be that? Maybe he's good. Maybe he's bad. On on initial watch, I don't think the show is is um, is is kind of showing its hand early. On rewatch, you go, oh my goodness! Every little time Lorca says, uh, "You know, you're with me, Burnham. You know, I need you on this ship." It's because he has a master plan when he gets back to the mirror universe and whatnot. And I mean, the job that this writing room has done to really have this cohesive story through the the burden that every piled episode has in terms of setting things up and then through the burden of the upheaval behind the scenes with the show and then the the burden of all right we need to split what in my mind is still the pilot the you know the two-hour pilot episode split vulcan hello from battle of the binary stars and all that that entails and so on and so on and so on down to switching where the the switch is from chapter one to chapter two the fact that the story remained through it all and this overarching story that really, really works, um, that is phenomenal. When you look at how this season was constructed of 15 episodes, the the normal order being 13, I'm glad that they didn't go with the the limited run that the big ones do now of 10, like a Game of Thrones or a Better Call Saul or, or those, you know, real heavy hitters when it comes to Emmys. And I'm, I'm not slighting Star Trek in the least, but uh, to, to give us a little bit more. And I know some people were down on the episode lengths, you know, 45 minutes. I, I think we had one that maybe touched 50 minutes. Um, they, they one felt was like right. 37 or 38. Right. They, they, they felt right to me. Yeah. Um, I, I always wanted more in the best possible way. But the thing with the way this season unfolded, you really have, and I know that was the the writing room mantra. We're going to tell chapters in a book. And there's really four separate chapters in this season. You've, you've got where we meet Burnham early on and she's the, uh, commanding officer, the XO of, uh, the USS Shenzhou. And then we have the, the mutiny, the battle of the binary stars. And then we move into that time where she's trying to find herself on discovery as that second chapter. And then Matt, we wind up in the mirror universe for hang on now. Uh, let's see one, two, three, four, five episodes <laughs> and and then we come back and and have that uh that last uh episode which is just so wonderful to watch the award ceremony and you know all the growth that our characters have have gone through um it really is a lovely season of television i'm so interested in where they're going to take the story with these characters both regular and recurring I think another highlight for me, it's something that has taken me the last week to really digest. Um, and it's the way the, the war against the Klingons ended. Um, I, you know, the discussion this time last week was it kind of just stops. And I understand the story stuff with Laurel and she's, you know, she has a, a gun to the heads of all the other Klingon houses and whatnot. And I think from, from just about any other, storytelling universe it would be a letdown because you need that big moment of you know of f finally they're getting king joffrey or whatever it is you you need that 
full-on showdown but we get the explanation in that metal giving scene that i think is so star trek and is that is that opportunity where the show the show can get away with not having the big showdown because it's you know earth and vulcan and tellar and um and and doria all andor they all found their own way and i think uh, the show might not say their own way but i'm emphasizing here they all found their own way out of the darkness and there needs to be that decision that Mm -hmm. we as the collective community are going to lay down arms and we are going to change how we behave and that's what you see with the klingons and that's a better star trek lesson than oh man and then then it turned out that there was fleet four of of the federation that showed up and really you know that's not you know that's not star trek this whole season has been can we get star trek back to the star trek times and it requires the klingons themselves saying you know i i will lay down arms i will turn aside my 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 discrimination my suspicion etc and discovering that in you know in myself in the last week has really been wonderful well, we know where they're headed as far as a race and that we know we're going to have continued conflict with them. It's since come to light that uh, Shazad Latif is not leaving the show. Um, we've talked about the very interesting things they've got planned for him in, in season two. Um, you know, n- nothing I've read or seen yet on on Mary Chifo, but I cannot imagine um, they will not move forward without Laurel uh, in some capacity. I was fine, honestly, with with the way that it went down. We've had so much action. Th- this was about drama. This was about the earned moment for these characters, for these players when we talk about the Klingons and the Federation and uh, Starfleet. So uh, I, I was I was just fine with it. Well, Pete, what's some stuff that you were that you were less fine with? Topping the list, Matt, is that so few people have watched this wonderful show. And I'm going to point to uh, Public Enemy number one, which is CBS All Access. Yeah, I think the fact that the fact that there still continues to be, I don't know, uh, unhappiness around the service uh in some quarters i don't know how you get such a great season and still have people not happy with the service but darned if that's not if that's not me quite frankly um somehow i feel yeah i mean somehow i feel like i got i got cheated despite the fact that i feel that it was money well spent that means that there's something ethereal and and not just dollars and cents that still rubs me the wrong way the service is frankly subpar with everything we've come to expect from a streaming service. If Netflix is the gold standard and Hulu uh, would be silver, I've not watched a, a series yet through Amazon. That will change. I'll have to rely on Matt a little bit more for the analysis with that. But this is in every way a little brother situation and thank goodness Netflix in every territory, but the United States has it covered and I'm, I'm sure it's not a problem. But when I have people on Twitter who are telling me, Oh oh my gosh, Sonequa Martin green is on star Trek discovery. No way. How do they not know that Matt star Trek discovery should be its own selling point and that people have to go beyond this paywall. Um, And the money shouldn't be an issue. And it's not an issue for me, quite frankly. It is an issue of the service. What we are paying for, we're paying for just Star Trek Discovery is fine. But the stoppages, the uh, fragmenting of the video, it, it is inconsistent at best. I certainly agree. And, and, it still boggles my mind that when I'm, you know, when when I'm watching that commercial-free tier, when it goes to commercial, frequently there it'll be like, you know, the music will go bum 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 or whatever kind of climax, and as it switches over to, I guess, what would be the break for commercials, there'll be this like hiccup in the sound, but then of course <sighs> I don't have a commercial coming, then it comes right back, but it's kind of this like, you know, you know, it's like let's get ready to fire, bum 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 bum, uh, um then it comes right back and it's like why i'm not paying for, for i that, but... cannot imagine watching it 
at the commercial tier. I can't. It, it must be maddening. And anybody listening, love to hear from you who uh, has that experience, what that experience has been like. Um, but CBS All Access so far is a failed experiment with the two, Matt, count them, two other scripted shows that they offer past the one we pay for. Um, yeah, no thanks. We have canceled our membership. We will see you when Star Trek comes back, maybe later this year, uh, definitely by early next year, but it's, it's not worth it. I'm sorry. And you know, you throw in the reality of, uh, uh, what was it? Big brother or whatever other reality show they have on there. Yeah. It's not, not happening. Well, you put out a call to listeners. Hey, what it's like, what is it like watching in the, the commercial tier? I'll just mention side note. I have the commercial package for Hulu. Um, and, and for these many ER episodes I'm watching, you know, there are commercial breaks for some reason. It doesn't bother me. Um, maybe that's just because ER is a trip down memory lane. Even if it's an episode I haven't seen versus like, this is brand new star Trek and oh man, we we're podcasting tonight. Every minute counts, but I have another question, I suppose, for the audience, and you know, I, I don't, th- I don't think that either you nor I, uh, you know, want to turn this uh, this particular segment into a, uh, you know, a pile on here. But you know, so so I won't pile on. I'll ask a question to the audience. Did After Trek get better? Because I, I gave up after about three weeks, and I'm somebody who uh, was before After Trek. Uh, a huge Matt Myra fan and all of his podcasts. And I was somebody that when he put forth the call from, uh, from his Star Trek podcast, you know, Hey, tweet at this person to try and help get me this gig. If you think I'd be good for it. I wholeheartedly was tweeting at whatever it's the guy in the production company that also does the, you know, talking dead and all that. And it was an incredibly disappointing experience. And I don't, and I'm not saying because of him, I was he a little nervous the first time out. Sure. But just this whole kind of let's treat Star Trek as a game show and coming up, which Andorian moon would you destroy? Vote now on Trek.tv. And it was just, I could not keep watching it. To be honest, it soured me on him, which is probably, which is, which I will admit is unfair. That's my own weirdo thing of, oh, (laughs) my my great podcast hero, who's also named Matt, um, you know, who, who I've been listening to since the James Bonding days. Now, now is the, the one thing isn't your, good. You broke your head cannon. Uh, I mean, listen, the guy got this gig and he's been shuttling back and forth from uh, writing the Goldbergs and doing his podcast thing out there in L.A. and then coming to New York. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Don't to, they have satellite linkups in Los Angeles? Right? Particularly these yeah. times where... All right, let's fly Matt Myra out to New York, and we're also going to grab uh, Ted Sullivan gr- going from LAX to to New York, and right? uh, you know we're going to grab uh, we're going to grab you know Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts and fly them all out to New York. Why? Particularly I, I don't not understand for nothing. It. Early I on, really when, don't. when they had the real Stamets call into the show, it was via Skype, and it was like, what? What is going? This guy's on Skype. What is going on? I don't blame uh, Myra so much as I blame the format. And we had both noted that by the end, they were recording these and then airing it, air quotes. They were running it after uh, Trek, which is the name of the show, after Star Trek Discovery's episodes had dropped. They were giving it an hour window and then they would unlock them. Um, yeah, it, it is not a successful uh, endeavor at this point. Uh, you can't run it like you run the walking dead. You can't run it like you run some of those other properties. It's different. I'm not saying we have to be there so serious and, uh, all right, we're going to talk now about Lorca, uh, and how your favorite fictional dad turned out to be the worst person ever. But, but <laughs> Pete and you and I both, are not particularly Chris Hardwick fans. And I, uh, I am the furthest thing from a Chris Hardwick fan. Uh, the guy has said my name on national TV twice. Uh, he needs to keep my name out of his mouth, but, and look, I, I never watched the talking dead more than the first 60 seconds. And, and you oftentimes will, 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 will 
watch most of, if not all of Talking Dead. And it's been a completely uh, different experience with After Trek. In, in part of the nature of the way it runs, I watched the entire first episode. I saw snippets of other episodes, definitely not all. 14 that they would have run uh considering they did one the night uh that that both uh the first two episodes were available but here's my point for all that we might take away from from hardwick i Not remember letting that, people talk during interviews well there's that but the making the way, it about himself <laughs> the way he introed the talking dead after the big death of uh um the season, the two season finales ago, the death of Glenn and who am I missing? Wasn't a finale. It was the beginning of oh. season seven. Yes. But the way he just at, as a host, as a performer, he clearly had had the discussion like, I'm going to start this episode with a bunch, you know, with, with an upset audience. And I'm going to start this episode like I'm going to lead the audience through their grief. And it was just him somber and him saying, I don't remember the exact words, but it was like, well, after that, after that blow that we've all collectively felt tonight, here we are to try and get through it together. And I'm not trying to sound trite because his tone, like he read the audience perfectly, which is not, oh, here's Yvette Nicole Brown to talk more about how sad she is that Glenn died. Like it was, it was the right tone. I just happened to not personally care for the guy. He has this, he has a format that works for Walking Dead. Why doesn't After Trek take a more science nerdy, look on things and not, you know, the Star Trek, the game show. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think you can run it like that. I, I think they need to rework it for season two. And then, you know, why the farce of, okay, we're going to give a poll when the poll has already been canned and you can't vote in it. Uh, so that interaction, you know, that they not try to curry that when that's not what they're doing. Well, Pete, we've we we've just been in our own mirror universe, being being downers here. Let's bring it back <laughs> up again. What were what were some of your favorite episodes for the season? Well, if I was going to go to an absolute favorite, and I think you and I are in agreement on this, that would be the seventh episode of the season, "Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad." This was the second Harry Mud episode, the one where they. Uh, brought the gormagander on and uh, mud comes out of it and just wreaks havoc a number of times uh, looping over killing Lorca again and again and again. Um, it was such a delight to have Rain Wilson for uh, two episodes as Harry Mud and, and spread apart um, just couldn't help but think back on it. They've been playing the heck out of the office on Comedy Central uh, today. I guess they were doing a marathon for for President's Day as we're recording. But um, yeah, he was the perfect choice to play the character and just lends that extra something to that particular episode, which I, I know we talked at the time would be the one I would show somebody like, hey, this is this TV show. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. If you have a reluctant Star Trek fan um, who doesn't even want to doesn't want to go through the pilot or the so it's this double episode before I really understand where the show is at. Is that what I'm hearing? Like, give me one episode to sell me on the show. That's the one because it doesn't have the uh, doesn't have that kind of pilot setup stuff. Which there are great shows that have okay pilots just because you need to sell everybody on the universe of the show whatever it is whether it's the emergency room right around the corner or whether it's you know space people in the future um but this is an episode that it just ha has all the star trek stuff in there um i think it, if that's the one kind of truly standalone episode uh and now we need to return to to the serial bit here uh I, I mean to me episode 13 what's past is prologue i mean that's that's the episode i was belly aching that you know about its length it comes in in about 38 minutes flip side is this it rips through what mm -hmm. it has to do tons of payoff um you know tons of great action and you know a, a great hook at the end uh in terms of them making it back to to our own universe uh, the 
totally permanent for now death of Lorca. Um, I, I continue to buy that they mean him to be dead. And there's a trap door out of that death. It's not the reverse that he appears to be dead. And the contract is already signed for his eight episode run <laughs> next season as, as you know, totally chill prime Lorca or whatever. Um, but that's just an episode that you get to have your dinner and your dessert in it. Yeah. Uh, the, the culmination, that episode, um, what's past his prologue of that, uh, great time we had in the mirror universe, never spent so many episodes there consecutively, you know, deep space nine would always do one, a one, a season, uh, it had been some time since we'd been back there with enterprise, which, which brought you into enterprise, what's past his prologue, Matt. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would put as my second highlight, the, the mirror universe involvement and that they had this long game of, we're going to introduce a captain and the entire time we know when I say we, the, the writers that when we meet this captain, he is a Terran in our universe. So you could say that from episodes three to episode 13, Matt, he did 10 episodes um jason isaacs did that really those were all mirror universe episodes <laughs> in a certain sense yeah uh, see pete they never gave us the real universe all <laughs> along which uh, i guess as a side note to that discussion and to also talk about another one of my favorite episodes the, the season finale will you take my hand um pete I, I have an emotional update to share here not not that it's going to be emotional. I need to update everybody on my emotions. I'm okay with the fact now officially that the enterprise looks different. And, uh, I have to, have to give credit to, uh, having seen a video on YouTube by junk ball media, which, uh, the, the guy does a whole bunch of super deep dives on star Trek stuff as well as other stuff. But that's the first place I had it pointed out, uh, to me that, yeah, this, this, this prime universe enterprise has a glass view screen. It, it appears now. Could that change in between the seasons? And it's not the other, but other quotes have come out to say, we're going to keep the original series aesthetic, but we're not going to be slaves to it, which, which I was opposed to, but I'm now okay with, because you know what? Maybe we need to leave the past in the past and 1965 era design stuff is it okay for them to round some of those edges or to to make the uh, the safety railing maybe a little bit less than primary red? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with this new look at, at the old Enterprise. Any Enterprise, Matt, for me, is always welcome. Uh, big fan of the design of the ship from the refit moving forward, uh, the, the 1979 film uh, being my favorite, uh, version of the enterprise, the one that gets us through the remainder, you know, though, though they blow it up and, and give us a 1701A, that's, that's my enterprise always. Um, I, I, I really like the one we've gotten in the JJ Abrams films. And this feels like an appropriate update given TV, given what the discovery looks like, given everything that is to be considered, hey, we're going to be seeing more of it when we come back for season two. So I, I think if people had a problem with it, they should really reserve judgment until then. Particularly because they've introduced the Enterprise not to nerd us out, but for story reasons. Yes. Let's not overlook the fact that when, when, uh, the communications guy says, oh, man, it's the Enterprise. And we all as fans go, yippee. It is not a good look that Sarek and Burnham share. Because Correct. let's not forget, there's a lot of tension between Sarek and Spock. They had not spoken in all this time when we first meet Sarek in Classic Trek. Burnham clearly was the lesser child. She has learned. We have learned with all the decisions Sarek made on Vulcan graduation day and all that. So tons of story reasons to have this show up of secondary concern after the story, after family, after emotion is, oh man, Pete, are they going to take, you know, like uh, the, the Etch-A-Sketch style carbon paper <laughs> thing to make a, a blinky pad that has three lights that now in no way can compete with any tech, you know, like it is <laughs> like 
things need to change and you know what change is okay what weren't those were there some quotes this season about the necessity of change it's just a few. I also want to give uh, honorable mention to uh, Lethe as an episode, the sixth episode scripted by uh, veteran Trek writer Joe Minoski, he of Darmok, and uh, Ted Sullivan, who did um, the one we were talking about before, uh, What's Past is Prologue, and uh, loved how that began with the, the Vulcan logic extremist uh, storyline and everything that took place there to get uh, Cornwell captured by the Klingons thought it was a really, really great episode amidst all these other good ones we're talking about. Pete, any less than favorite episodes? I think we can probably all agree that there were no there were no stinkers in the bunch. There was no Battlestar Galactica where Lee puts on a leather jacket and beats people up, kind of like, oh boy, they just... They forgot yeah, how to the make one a, on the ma- rising star or then the one with the labor union on the on the rock ship <laughs> was another <laughs> was another low light. It was the night of one of the Oscars. I'm like, why am I not watching the Oscars? I'm watching <laughs> the the rock breaker union battle star Galactica that still sits in my craw. Matt, I'm unfortunately going to have to go with uh, the uh, the eighth episode, Civis Pachum Parabellum, which thankfully was not the mid-season endpoint, and I think they realized what, what they had. This was an episode I was really looking forward to in that they were going to uh, Pavo. This was a, a mission, really the closest thing we got to the mission of the week flavor of Star Trek on Star Trek Discovery all season long. And it, it just didn't quite connect. Well, Pete, I struggle a bit with the old Latin. So in the grand tradition of Macbeth, I just like to call this the Latin episode, not (laughs) use its title. Um, I mean, you, you can name an episode in Latin, uh, my my story bible has a, a latin episode uh in there for uh my pilot and and i don't think it's it's too pretentious but again what's inside the wrapper matt has to hold up and i don't know if it quite did this i i think it is perhaps a slightly better episode on rewatch particularly when it's served up right after magic to make the saints man go mad and then immediately there's no next week on Star Trek. There's boom, into into the forest I go. Uh, that said, I mean to me the low point of the entire series is, you know, when Burnham is looking at Tyler and Tyler's looking at Burnham, and they're both talking about duty. And she, you know, there's reference to the needs of the many, or the few, or the one. And it's like, <laughs> oh my, like no, listen, you can't. The head cannon behind that is not cool that she's heard this around, you know, home, and so has Spock, and it's the thing that, you know, Spock takes to his first death is this 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 edict, and now she's repurposing it for, like, I don't know if we can be huggy-kissy friends, because Lord knows I want it, and I think you want it, too, and Lieutenant Saru is not here right now, so we could get huggy-kissy, but that wouldn't be responsible for the many you know, or the few, or the, it's like, it's just like, no, you can't, no, it's like, you just can't. Totally. That was bad. What I have an even bigger problem with, and it's never fully resolved. So, uh, Lieutenant Saru is taken over by the Poppins, um, who, you know, are, are acting through him. And uh, it's an attempt to try to get him to do their bidding, which ultimately winds up being a a confused signal. And they send out this transmission to the Klingon bandwidth as well and basically luring them there, which leads to the the big confrontation in, in that first block uh, of episodes in, in the next episode. But it's never resolved with Saru. It's, oh, hey, I uh, I did some things I didn't mean to, and they took me over, and yeah, sorry. 
and for a breakout character like Doug Jones is Saru, and we're going to talk about characters here in a minute. Um, I, I felt it was a disservice. I think, I think the story thinks it solved it or it resolved it because Saru said, Oh man, I got space spores. There drunk. was an apology. Yeah. Like totally sorry that like, I got drunk and it wasn't me. It wasn't even the beer. It was the space blue guys. It's just not delivered to us satisfyingly. And all due respect to episode writer Kirsten Beyer, who I will forever have a soft spot for Mm -hmm. because she sat through that poorly run interview at uh, Star Trek Mission New York. I feel bad criticizing her, her first TV effort, but it is remember it's a team effort um and it does not fall just to her uh and and again there there has to be high points there has to be low points unfortunately it was this one and i'm I'm really looking forward to what she comes with after this and and a chance to show us another side particularly as she's you know, kind of coordinating the larger, uh, I don't want to say the larger universe, but you know, the efforts in literary uh, stuff and yeah, all novels, that. comic books, etc. So that's, you know, that's a place I have not delved into yet. Would I be opposed this summer to checking out some of the books? You know, Pete, I have very happy memories of those old Star Trek pocket books. I'm some doing really, the comics. Really I'm going to, I'm going to pick up the, uh, the comics that have dealt heavily with the Klingons uh, on Discovery. And I'm really looking forward to that. So the adventure continues. Pete, you said you wanted to talk about some characters. Dive on in. Well, I think this is the first Star Trek series for me that we don't have a character who is maligned in some way, shape or form in that the fans that uh, people who watch it are like, oh, so Chekhov did some stuff in this episode, huh? And this, this kid, they the Russian whiz kid they brought in the second season with the uh, the the um, uh, David Jones haircut. Oh, all right, he got he got hit with some flower stuff. Oh, all right, I'll, I'll I'll maybe catch that on my NBC nineteen. 19- 68 dvr never (laughs) um well you know what pete i think that that's because all of the characters have flaws some are obvious or some are uh within context you know burnham's decisions to start off the series some of them are understandable you know that irascible mr saru who's such a worrywart because that is his that is his species nature but none of them are this ideal, which is interesting because so much of Star Trek presents us that ideal, but also so much of Star Trek struggles with how do you have a show where everybody is their ideal? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, go back and watch, and dear listener, if you have not seen uh, Chaos on the Bridge, which is the documentary about the first season of Star Trek's Next Generation, they bitterly had trouble figuring out what to do for much of that season because there was the edict from Gene Roddenberry, nobody ever gets into conflict. So it's like, great, the characters can't get into conflict with each other. And really, we don't want Starfleet getting into conflict with anybody else. We just need to have situations where people disagree and then find out the objective best at the end. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine this show without conflict. And again, from a TV writing, from all fictional writing, Conflict is the engine that drives your starship. And to think that we wouldn't have Burnham and Georgiou in that first episode coming to a head and then Saru and, and Burnham and then um, Anthony Rapp's wonderful Stamets and uh, Mary Wiseman's naive and lovable Tilly coming to uh you know conflict jason isaacs and his Lorca coming into conflict with an entire universe i can go on matt it's so necessary for these characters that they've crafted and i think that's why it's so compelling i mean i almost have a difficult time saying you know who are my favorite characters from it because they all yeah they all spoke believably even down to 
down to Laurel, who, you know, the, the, the performance that Mary Chifo gives is bewitching, even though mm-hmm. most of the time we, we might respect, you know, okay, Laurel's fighting for a certain, you know, kind of ideal or objective or sense of unity, but eh, she's still the weirdo alien and she's that side, I'm this side, hashtag team Starfleet. We are Starfleet, et cetera. But, you know, I mean, is what she's asking for that unreasonable, you know, <laughs> A, a union of Klingon states, these united Klingon states, you know, and P.S., she gets it at the end, and you go, oh, and that's why there basically is stability out of the Klingons for the rest of Star Trek. Now, are there Cold Wars and flare-ups and this and that the other? Sure. Why don't we do interstellar war again? Because they're unified, and we're unified, and it's detente, and we figure out the little problems at Station K-7 along the way. And when General uh, Chang, <laughs> you know, fires the cloaked vessel and makes it look like the Enterprise fired on Gorkin, you know what? It gets worked out in a couple in, in a couple of days, a couple of weeks. It all gets worked out as opposed to war. So she was right all, all along. Um, and even, I mean, we'll see. I suspect we're going to see, because let's, well, first of all, let me say, let's not forget that Mary Chifo was not a full member of the cast. She was a recurring member. So I think you could still have her recur. Yeah. I think you're going to see the character of Tyler come back a bit, although probably not as a main character. Um, and I mean, even all the way down to, you know, down to the loss of Culber there, it, it, it's been, it's been so interesting to see how, because of social media, we knew Culber's relationship and we knew the importance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And these episodes never lead with that they don't say well you know what here's the gay episode it's right. just here's and two guys who are brushing their teeth it it's that's baked into star trek's code and there are people who are going to watch this you've watched this with you know your your family and that people would watch this and that'll be normalized in such a way for them that hey these guys brush their teeth and they're together. Unfortunately, it, it ends tragically. Um, and I just have such a soft spot for uh, Wilson Cruz's Hugh Culver and that he's he's gone in their main universe. Uh, certainly not forgotten, honored there posthumously in the uh, the ceremony in the final episode. But um yeah, really, really felt that. And he had talked about when uh, he was killed off that uh, he still had his favorite scene of anything he'd ever filmed coming up. And, you know, I, I go to that scene in the uh, mycelial network that he shares with Anthony Rapp. And can we just give Anthony a rap just a little bit more credit given what he has dealt with um, off screen uh, in the in the past year and being, you know, a, a real part of this Me Too movement um, from the lesser acknowledged side, from, you know, the, the the gay male side. This was somebody who came forward very bravely with his story. And, um, you know, it's a shame that it had to happen at a time where it should have all been about his work and not about something he went through. Yeah. And I'm sure that, how do I put this? I'm sure that the best meaning, you know, standard stuffy shirt executive probably would have at least had the conversation with himself, if not with him saying, can't we maybe delay this until during the hiatus or not while the show is still trying to get off its legs? But I don't know what the behind the scenes discussions were. Hopefully whoever those people were who were just speaking devil's advocate, is this good for the product? Hopefully, hopefully they silenced themselves and realized, you know what, there are things larger than the product and the product can still speak for itself while, you know, while real life actor is separate from the pretend character and so forth. But you know, it's always the right time to speak up about these things. And, and you know, I, 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 to me, that's just that that's the end all and be all. I mean, I mean, does his sense of, um, you know, asking for a certain sense of equality and responsibility speech to speak to a Star Trek aesthetic? Sure. Star Trek, I don't think made him speak up the times that we're in where the community of people speaking up is what helps him speak up. And, um, you know, when all of this nonsense goes away, we'll be better for it. And then we can concentrate more on, 
oh, oh, are the nacelles correct and not, you know, <laughs> who, who, who are vile human beings who are working that should not be working? Right. Um, I cannot look at any of the performers, Matt, of season one and, and point to somebody that gave a, a less than wonderful performance. I, I don't have a least favorite character on this show. Well, Pete, I do. It's robot head lady because I still don't know what's up with her robot head. Oh, wait, Aram? I guess. Come on, man. No, no, not her. Aram, I dig. I mean, the other okay. robot head lady from from the, the Senjo. Oh. I want to know what the deal is with her, but I guess I got to read the books to find out. So the fact. Have you seen it... the side by side of her? And then you had the aliens in the Star Trek for um senate for lack of a better term scene that seemed to be wearing a very similar helmet uh, listen i'm not even saying oh this is not um this is not star trek or whatever i mean look you want to have a robot head person particularly on a you know when, when i'm first watching it i'm like oh cool this is like the ship she's on or whatever and you know on rewatch you realize all right they're on the the senjo for an hour and then that goes away um so I don't know. It's 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 a fun little thing. In fact, I'm just looking online here. Apparently, they get into it more in the novel Desperate Hours. It's Lieutenant Jira Narwani and Pete. I'm not I'm not even going to read any more of that because I'm not super stoked to read these novels. Am I checking out these novels now that we're back to the dark times and there's no Star Trek? Yeah, I'll be checking out some of these novels between now and you heard it here first on Fantastic Geek, November or December of this year when Chapter Three starts. So, yeah, I'll find out about uh, Lieutenant Jira Narwani in the future. And, again, because I want to find out more and that's my complaint, that's a good complaint to have. Well, let's talk a little bit, Matt, about what some of our listeners and the overall audience had to say about season one of Star Trek Discovery. Let's start with our pal uh, Fred in the Netherlands who sent us an email. Some final thoughts on Star Trek Discovery Season 1. One of the things I find important is that at the end of the season of a series, of which it's not 100% clear they will get a next season, it could be a satisfactory ending of a particular show. Uh, answer on this question for Star Trek Discovery is yes. I think that is the major storylines have a satisfactory closure. Pete, I'll pause there. I completely agree. Even knowing that season two is going to happen when they filmed the end of season one, it should wrap up satisfactorily. You've used the metaphor. It's a complete meal. The epilogue with the Enterprise showing up, you might have been able to do without. But I think, again, what's part of running this show is to build buzz around it. And maybe you didn't get around to watch in season one yet, but you heard that the enterprise showed up. It's got to be effective as far as bringing people to it. More of Fred's words here, opening a new storyline to which we as the audience are not committed yet is not much of a problem. So in the case of discovery, the encounter with Captain Pike and the Enterprise falls into that category. If this was the ending of the series as a whole, it could just be the connection to the TOS timeline, and that would just be it. I think that they have left themselves with a nice set of possibilities. The writer can go a lot of ways, especially if you look at the main characters. Pete, you ready to go through these main characters now? Absolutely. Uh, Captain Lorca. Prime Lorca still could be alive, and even Mirror Lorca, because uh, he fell into the mycelium knot. Empress Georgiou, still alive and running around freely. We surely will see her back, perhaps not right away at the beginning of Season 2. Laurel, from prisoner to perhaps the unifier of the 24 Klingon houses. I wonder if we will see a lot of that in Season 2. Perhaps that's something for Season 3, and the Discovery will just go on a journey. Boldly going where no man has gone before. No one has gone before, Fred. Come on. Fred's, Fred's kicking it old school. <laughs> he is. Uh, he goes on to note Tyler. I think that Laurel and Tyler being together is not in favor of uh, my just formulated prediction. I don't expect them to leave Laurel and Tyler out for a whole season. Uh, who are really dead? I think Prime Giorgio, Culber, and of course the Kelpian eaten by Giorgio and Burnham. <laughs> oh, Fred, that hurts, man. Um, who will not be around anymore are Tyler and Vok as separate individuals. I think they will stay united. 
perhaps a bit like a good old trill with its symbiont. Interesting. Fred uh, starts to wrap up his thoughts here. Did I like? Uh, did I like the series? No. Do I like the series? Yes. As soon as I left the good old Star Trek franchise behind me and looked at it as something completely new, I liked it more and more. Hmm. Uh, I liked that the captain is not the main character for once. I liked the first same-sex relationship in the Star Trek universe, though Dax and Kira were close. Winky. Oh, my Pete. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch Deep Space Nine here. I think I misunderstood some things. Um, I like that the little bit older female, badass main character, Cornwell. Of course, we had other somewhat older, strong women in Star Trek before, such as Guinan, Waxana Troy, Kyle Baca, Kai Wynn. Not all equally likable, but whatever. I'm looking forward to next season, which I hope is a little less dark in tone. Fortunately, we also had the Orville for comparison of Star Trek's darkness. I hope Star Trek will go out of darkness next season <laughs> instead of into darkness. Ooh, well played. Uh, last but not least, I hope the cinematography and especially the lighting of next season will be as beautiful as this season. Greetings, Fred from the Netherlands. I mean, he hits on all the major points. Uh, interesting about getting away from from Star Trek fandom and appreciating it more and more. Um, so that was certainly something to be said there. Um, Tyler and Valk, it's funny, you know, when, when Tyler, when it was becoming very much apparent, he had the programming of Volk. Um, I, I didn't want to see him uh, be bad and, and go. And I, I'm heartened that they've said they're going to bring him back. I thought he would become a member of the crew and, and stay on the ship and that he didn't. Okay. You're leaving this loose end out there potentially for him to come back. You know, he's, he's been a security chief, um, on the discovery, although he's, he's had this terrible, thing happened to him and, and really change his existence um i i look forward to getting him back and uh i don't know if if you can necessarily treat them as still the same person we know that from what the show has told us is it's vokes body with tyler's psyche and um to bring that back to starfleet and in a way that we knew before there was no mutiny in, in Star Trek, that was canonical, Matt. You go back to the Tholian web and Mr. Spock says it. And we have this expunged for Burnham at the end of the season. Um, there's got to be a reason we've never heard of what Tyler and, and Voke went through. Um, so I'm interested to see how they will return to him and revisit that. I I think there's a there's a writer's room or there's an external reason why they got rid of Tyler the way they did because otherwise while the Enterprise and Discovery are having all sorts of fun adventures simultaneous to that is going to be what the war tribunal naval hearing against Tyler but it's not really Tyler so he's going to be in star base one security as they debrief him and then what send him back to the Klingon like there's this whole kind of kind of legal custody thing that I don't think the show needs so that you can go and in episode five of season two Tyler's back you know for him to just walk away I'm only realizing now probably there should have been some sort of discussion like you know you know, uh, the Federation president authorized whatever you need to do to make this mission happen. And, oh, under that, we're going to let Tyler go. Um, I don't know what the military and, and uh, I don't know what the military tribunal situation should have been for someone in his position. But I think story-wise, they just said, and he's free until we need him, not not the other options. Um it, It'll certainly be interesting to see since they have left, by my count, I mean, again, Lorca totally dead for now, and then Culver, I think, totally dead, period. Um, they have not taken many characters off the table, so we'll see. We'll certainly see who can show up because most of them can, along with my anticipation of the elevation of the bridge crew to get more screen time and all that. 
Matt, we also received uh, some feedback in the form of a listener review to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek on iTunes. Uh, Lush Kalu uh, on February 13th left us this five-star review. Matt headlined one of the best. Once again, the guys have provided a concise and entertaining podcast, one if the best, I believe uh, they mean one of the best, about Discovery by far. Thanks for all the time and hard work. However, your usual attention to pronunciation came up short on this one. Although it seems that Michelle, I'm going to say it the way I say it, Matt, because we're going to be corrected, Yao may not be returning. If she does make another appearance, here's a tip. Both the actor and the character's names rhyme with show. Sorry for the nitpick, and only a couple of other Discovery podcasters got it right, to be fair. But usually, the fantastic geeks are more vigilant, so it stands out. That said, I do appreciate the excellent episodes, and we'll be listening to all future iterations. Well, I think part of the joy of... TV and movies nowadays is the, uh, you know, Pete, we've moved upon, moved past the, you know, George Smiths and the, the, the Jane Smiths and all that. So all these, all these wonderful new style names, at least new to us, you know, do come with some mispronunciation. So Michelle Yeoh got it. Michelle Yeoh was on the show and, uh, she's going to be on the show that Michelle Yeoh. Uh, ho- hopefully that's, uh, <laughs> hopefully we're making up for lost time here. And uh, if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes for our Star Trek Discovery podcast, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, In the interim between seasons, Matt and I have already made some plans of of things we want to get back and touch upon. We're we're not going to leave this feed completely dark, same way we wouldn't with all of our other feeds. Um, Please head to iTunes and uh, give us a review. Uh, You help others find us yeah i think that obviously we're going to remain vigilant for show news and i hesitate to say well pete that's it until the summer when we're going to do some older star trek episodes uh because whenever we said that about discovery it would be like all right pete well we've discussed this entertainment weekly and uh who knows we'll talk again then later that week would be like oh man announcing this person has been cast or you know or whatever uh we have a premiere date that kind of thing so We'll just keep it open-ended. I think certainly the desire in the summer is to get back to some, uh, you know, rediscovering some older Star Trek. Uh, but certainly in the interim, yeah, we love those reviews. We love, uh, you know, Pete, there might be people who are just discovering Star Trek Discovery now, uh, you know, running through a free trial or paid whatever for uh, for CBS All Access or finding it on Netflix elsewhere in the world. And uh, hopefully we can continue to be the Star Trek podcast for you. And I truly hope that the opportunity to binge all 15 episodes brings more people to the show, uh, if not around the uh, really poor delivery system they've set up in the United States. Well, Pete, this season also made possible by our by all our patrons on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. We could not have done it without you all. And uh, we want to thank everybody who has gone over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Absolutely. Everybody needs supporters and our patrons, Matt, are the best. Everybody who contributes gets exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of levels you might choose to contribute at. So thank you again. You are the dilithium crystals in our engine. Pete. The thing that gets replicated for free, though, is being able to talk to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,817 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. Visit fantasticgeek.com, email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But we, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantasticgeek with a PH, all one word, like it today. As mentioned before, if you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we have some goodies ahead 
certainly as we look towards Jessica Jones, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and so forth. Uh, as for the Star Trek feed, stay vigilant. You never know when that when that emergency beacon will sound and you'll have to <laughs> gather around your around your, your podcast player to hear the latest news for Star Trek Discovery or or other Star Treks. Uh, I dare say the Quentin Tarantino stuff might be on hold, but I digress. I think permanently, yes. But uh, we'll keep you posted all across the Star Trek sphere. Who knows, Pete, maybe this summer out of the blue they'll drop that. They'll drop that Khan Noonien Singh series that's been worked on in secret or 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 other secrets, Pete. I know we're working on a secret thing, perhaps, but we'll get to that when that's ready. With that, Pete, I'm going to say kapla to all our listeners and give you the final word. <laughs>